Good morning, good morning. Here I am again, Brenda Eshin Shoshana, back with another episode of Zen Wisdom for Your Everyday Life. And indeed, indeed, everyday life. Which means what? Here's a new day, a new moment, a new possibility. New, a, new, a new opportunity for us to become, as we say in Zen, fully alive, fully here, really appreciating the day. And in all of its textures, all of its wonders, all of its surprises, not locked in to memories of the past, how it's supposed to be, how it could be, what we fear it might be. All of these are actually so prevalent and so many walls around us that keep us from really tasting, tasting the day, tasting each other, tasting ourselves, tasting the moment. You know, <clears throat> when I think of Zen practice, I'm, right now I'm, I'm reminded of a wonderful, wonderful teaching of my very first teacher, Soen Roshi, who said, we are so, so engulfed by so many different stimuli, so many stimuli all the time, so much happening, that we are not able to taste this very moment or this experience and to digest it. And that is what Zen practice is, to taste for ourselves our life and to digest it, to digest it. I love that concept of digesting and I love it, absorbing it. <laughs> taking in the, that which is nourishing, nourishing for us and letting the waste leave. That's now, we don't know how to do that mentally necessarily or intellectually. Even the smartest so-called of us, if you say, well, how does your digestive system actually work? Well, we have many ideas and explanations, but <clears throat> could we actually direct it to do it? No, no. The body knows. The mind knows. <clears throat> The larger being, the larger intelligence that guides us, does it, knows. You know, we trust, we trust that larger intelligence, the larger harmony. There's many, many, many names for it. You could call it the Tao, the Way. You could call it Spirit. You could call it God. You could call it the Higher Self. Many different words point to the vastness, to the experience of being cared for, being being watched over, being guided. And and we really trust that. We, we trust that when we take one breath, we'll take we'll breathe in and then we'll breathe out again. We don't worry day and night, oh my gosh, will I take the next breath? Will there be enough air for me? Not at all. Now that trust in life is something that our Zen practice really works on developing. Because usually we think, well, it's me, I'm in charge. I'm in charge of my life, what I say, what I do, who I meet, how they react to me. It's up to me. And that causes such torment and confusion <clears throat> and such anger, unfortunately. And a sense, oh, I'm such a failure, and on and on and on. On and on and on. We don't trust and realize, it's even beyond, we, well, I can't say beyond trust because it's a very beautiful thing to really sit, which is to really trust and taste each breath. But it's even beyond that. 
we don't even think maybe this is not in my hands, that I'm not in charge. And if I'm not in charge of the overall entire functioning of the world, well, what am I and what am I in charge of? Or better put, what is my role here? How can I help? Many of us deeply, deeply want to help when we see so much suffering and confusion and anger and fighting. And what can I do? What can I do? There's a great, powerful desire to do something. I want to do something to be of help. I want to share something. I want to, and otherwise we begin to feel extremely helpless. And maybe a leaf in the wind, maybe a pawn. That's not a good feeling. And it's not the truth either. We're not that. We're not that. We're, in a very odd way, when the more we trust, the more powerful we become. Because the more we allow the greater wisdom to act through us, to shine its light, it knows. It knows so much more than we do. Oh, my goodness. It knows how to walk. It knows how to talk. So one of our real roles in Zen practice is to, first of all, enter that place of silence, of sitting, of just being with the breath, tasting it, digesting it, and everything that's coming to us without complaining about it. You know, our, our go-to mode, most of us, our go-to mode is ah, oh, complaining. I don't like this. I don't like her. I don't like him. I don't like my relationship. I want it to be different. It suited me before, but it doesn't suit me anymore. And on and on. Complain, complain, complain. In fact, if you listen to most conversations, they consist of complaints, endless complaints. Or many, many practices consist of ways of changing the way things are to my liking, me, 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 my liking, my desire. That never, never works. I, it take, took me a long time to truly see that, very long, years and years and years, years of practice, years of many things. That doesn't happen. We're not going to change this great and powerful and magnificent universe to our liking to our personal taste but how we can contribute how we can enjoy it how we can make a difference for starters rather than to turn it all to my needs we can become a part of it we can honor it we can honor the great wisdom and the way the world is working and become one with it. Now, by when I say become one with it, I mean digest it, be with it, not complain about it, be present for it, really be in touch and in communication with what's really happening. And then inevitably, I mean inevitably, true action will arise from within you, not guided by you, not according to your personal wants or dislikes, no, not, not like that, but it will arise. You will know what to do. You will know what to say. You will know where to go. And when you trust that and you follow, the great, that's when the great fulfillment comes, the great joy, the great growth, 
more and more happiness, more and more understanding. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, look at that. The wonder, the surprises, the depth of this ocean that we're all swimming in, all together. You know, when we take that stance, when we enter that mode of trust, not complaining, not fighting everything off, <clears throat> not only does our action become beautiful, harmonious is the best word here, <clears throat> it becomes in accordance with what's needed. We be, and we become in harmony with ourselves, with others. Not only that, but we stop complaining. We with that state of mind dissolved bit by bit. I remember many years ago when I was sitting with Kyuta Roshi, who was one of Son Roshi's uh, heirs. I had great blessing to, to meet with him and sit with him. And with Ada Roshi, a great blessing to watch these great teachers approach their practice, and which, which also means their lives. And I remember at one point, Kyuta Roshi said, well, finally, finally, this monk who was with him for many years, he said, finally, finally, this monk is ripe. Ripe. That's a wonderful way to think of it. He's ripe. <laughs> like a ripe fruit, ripe. Not that he's powerful, not that he's this, not that he's enlightened. He's ripe, he's mature. He is. He has fulfilled his practice. And, and how does, and Kiddo Roshi said, and what is the sign that he is ripe? He stopped complaining about anything. <laughs> wow. Let's take that in a moment. He's stopped complaining about anything. You know, we use so much energy railing against this and that. Complaints, complaints, complaints. And then we think we're doing something because we complained. And actually, that is such a deception. We haven't done anything. We've just used our energy to complain. We haven't taken any positive or constructive action to work with the situation. We've just complained about it complained about it. And when we complain, what we're saying is it doesn't suit me. It's not to my liking. And if something isn't to my liking, I'm going to complain. I'll fight. I'll burn the world down because I want everything to suit me, to be to my liking. Now, this me that's engaged in that kind of assertion is we call in Zen ego, ego, the ego me. It's not the big me it's not at all who I really am. It's this personal sense that I'm in charge. And don't you dare do a thing that I don't like or watch out. That's the subtext. We say in, in writing and in the theater, what's the subtext of the communication? On the one hand, one thing is being communicated, but what's really being said underneath it? It's a threat. It's a threat. The world must revolve around me. Now, that is the point of view of infants. If my mommy doesn't come right away and give me my milk, I'm going to scream and cry and yell and kick my feet. Not all infants, but most infants. Because they're not yet ripe. They haven't digested 
that this life, their life, the life they've been given. You know, we, we've been given so much. Oh my gosh. And we can't even begin to see what we've been given or to taste it if we're busy complaining, 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 wanting to change it, hating it, rejecting it. So when we say there is this suffering going on in, in our lives and in our relationships, there are very simple and powerful, very powerful remedies, cures, whatever word you want to use, very simple ways of dissolving the suffering actually on the spot (laughs) i love that because it's true it's actually true and since all of this suffering is based upon me 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 what i must have and need and want so well here's a simple simple exercise here's a simple little homework assignment if you want to call it that of course no one wants to do their homework so i wouldn't even call it a homework assignment but an activity that will help you greatly and will help others greatly around you. Just for this week, stop complaining about anything. When you're complaining, notice it. Just notice it. You might not be complaining out loud. You might be complaining in your mind, dwelling on something over and over. Say, oh, I'm complaining. And just stop it. Put your attention on something else. Just notice that. Notice it again and again and again. And when you're about to complain to someone about something, don't. Don't make it a complaint. It may be a request. It may be something. But let go of all the whining, the complaining, the demanding. And see how you feel. See how much more open you will be. See how much more able you will be to see and be with and digest What's really going on? You may be amazed. I'm complaining and complaining and oh my goodness. It's not what's happening at all. You, When you stop it, you'll see something else is really happening. And, and you'll respond in an entirely different way. At the very least, you'll be calmer. You'll feel more quiet. You'll feel actually, strangely enough, much more in charge of yourself and of your life. We think if we complain and demand, then we're in charge. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. We're putting ourselves completely out of control. Just carrying on. So in Zen, we stop carrying on. That's one of the things. We sit down, we bow to the cushion. We bow to the empty zendo, the room that's going to hold us. <coughs> Excuse me. We bow to one another. Just to, and we say, I honor you. I thank you. And we sit together in the silence. We don't move. We pay attention to our precious breath. And oh my, everything is possible then. So when we stop complaining, we are getting closer to entering that state of mind. Try it. Try it. You'll be very taken by how many simple solutions there are, simple activities in our relationships and in our life. They're based upon Zen practice, and they're based upon all the teachings of all the scriptures, really, when you get down to it. That's what I'm working on, that program of connecting all of them into simple actions that anyone can do in many moments.
and see the suffering dissolve. So I wish you a really, really beautiful week. I will be back next week. And thank you so much for your notes and your emails and for listening. And the URL for the podcast is zenwisdomtoday.com. And if you want to um, communicate, write, send a note, a question, anything you like, my email is topspeaker at yahoo.com. Thanks so much and have a beautiful, beautiful day. Bye.